Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. We're really fortunate to be able to bring you this special episode of the Goldust Podcast. Today, we have on Gareth Ainsworth and Richard Dobson. I don't think these two need much of an introduction, especially after their incredible success and journey with Wickham Wanderers this season. Listen into this amazing interview where they talk about how they prepared the team for the playoffs and what makes this squad so special, especially considering this club had one of, if not the lowest budget in League One. Listen, fellas, thanks ever so much. Uh, Gareth, first of all, congratulations on your recent promotion to the Championship. Thank you it's very much. It's the first time. Oh, it's, it's brilliant to have the pair of you on, Dobbo and Gareth. It's the first time Wickham have ever been in the second tier of the English Football League. So it's a massive accomplishment for the club. How's the past few days felt for you? Um, yeah, it's it, honestly... Uh, Hi everybody. I mean, it's it's great to be on, but the the past few days have been, it hasn't sunk in yet. Honestly, it really hasn't sunk in yet, and I and I don't I don't know the reason for that. I've got a few ideas, um, but until I see the fixtures come out and and sometimes on the, the TV channel where them leagues pop up at the side and and you see which league you're in, I, I think that's going to confirm it a bit more to me. But it still does feel very surreal, and the reason probably is because it's it's Wickham Wanderers, and we've always been that team that we've always planned to be almost there. And how good was it that we, we touched the championship? We, and right to that final whistle, I was still planning for, semi-planning for the worst and fighting inside thinking, we're here to win, we're, we're here to win. But then when that whistle went, I think Rich will, uh, Rich will verify, we both looked at each other and we both said to each other, what have we done? And that was the question we asked each other. And it was, uh, it was an amazing moment, which I, I won't forget. Give us a little bit of a lead up into you playing in a two-legged semi-final against Fleetwood. Give us a backstory around the preparation, the roles of people, the responsibilities. And then when you got to the final, did those continue? Yeah, um, there's, there's so many stories that we, we could tell. Um, the man below me on my screen has played a crucial part in, in all my managerial career, never mind the last four weeks. But when we came back, the points per game situation had been announced. So initially, there's all there's that making sure the boys knew that wow, did we deserve to be there? Because we came from eighth to third, and that was a that was a big jump. Um, and there was a lot going on around the scenes, behind the scenes about. You know, Wickham Wonders are the big benefactors of this points per game thing. Where I'm, I'm thinking, hold up, this is getting a bit twisted. We are not the benefactors of this. We have fully deserved to be where we are in this league. There's no team been in the top two more than us this season. There's no team been in the top top six more than us this season. And we were due to play Bury just before lockdown, and and we came out on that last week because we had no game. So first of all, it was make sure these players know that we deserve to be here, boys. And and there's no. There's no way that we are looking at this and we have a laugh sometimes. Uh, I use sayings that people of our age will get, Keith. And I said, we're not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. 
And the lads are looking at me like, what does that even mean? So I'm thinking, so first of all, I'm trying to explain an old saying, but saying it means if you're given an opportunity, you take it and we're going to take this. So that was crucial in, uh, in, in the first week. And, and then secondly, they'd been off for 10 weeks, no gyms open. All they'd been doing was running in the street and, and everyone had been furloughed. And, and so there's no actual structure, although I'd spoke to them every single week. I'd made sure I'd spoke to each and every player every single week during lockdown. And I need to mention that because I think that benefited me when they all did come back. They all had that. Well, the gaff has been there for his sponsors every single week about how our family is, how the health is. He hasn't even mentioned football. He hasn't mentioned how we fit or anything. I just wanted to make sure the boys knew that I was concerned about them. And when we did come back, they knew that, you know, I was always there for them. And it might give, it might give me the edge where they're going, you know what? He's a good man. I'm, I'm going to do this for him. But it, it's genuine. It's not something I, I wouldn't do. It's, it's genuine. So, so yeah, that, that first week was tough. We had meetings, double, I remember, with the uh, sports science department, with the medical department. And we decided, um, or they decided, that um, availability was going to be more important than fitness. And I think as a group decision, we did make that. We, we all agreed and said, look, we're a small squad. It's Wickham Wanderers. Availability for those playoffs so this is four weeks prior to the first game. Availability is the most important thing. We had to sort of structure what was important. Availability first, fitness level second. We then handed fitness over to the sports science and medical department. And me and Dobbo started watching footage of, of Fleetwood and, and their games because that was the next upcoming game. And we wanted, to, we wanted to have a tactical plan. And it's a fantastic place to be when you can trust somebody to get on with the fitness side of things. It really is. You know, I know some managers will be totally in control of everything what they're doing why they're doing that why, what i want them to do more i want them to do less i think me handing it over to the guy called david white head of sports science um people won't realize how enormous that is for me to just to go wait see i trust you there you go i can get on with this over here now um and i think you, you'll verify that rich yeah I, look just to add i'm immensely proud of the standpoint of our club right the way throughout this keith um, you know, we, we've had a global pandemic which uh, has hit the reset button on so much of, of life. You know, we've looked very deeply as a, a species now, human beings, into what's important in life. And obviously, um, health and, and family and well-being has come to the fore. We, uh, myself and Gaz, went to a, a psychology day a couple of years back at Arsenal. And um, the psychologist used a phrase which I think is so relevant in, in this situation. He said, football is the most important of all the unimportant things. Um, and I, I firmly believe that, you know, football does so much for so many people uh, across the world. But at this stage, it suddenly became unimportant compared to the lives of the um, people were losing and, and families were losing. So um, as a club, we decided that we weren't going to go and start talking about football throughout the lockdown, um, that we were going to take whatever situation was thrown at us and our owner said that he would have been happy for the, the season to be voided. Um, Gaz has quite openly said that if we were to play on, we would have been more than happy for that, um, to, to see the, the season to, to the end. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, we ended up with a, a vote to, uh, to finish the season, which the vast majority did. Obviously, to, to protect as many possible clubs um, as we could, because we don't want to see another Berry situation happen. Um, and, uh, and, and it proved to be good for us, um, would have accepted whatever came. You know, too many lives were lost uh, over this period. And uh, I think as a club, it was right to keep quiet. Um, and unfortunately, we've probably seen the worst in some people in football during this period where 
football was more important to them than other things. Um, for us, uh, you know, we, we kept quiet. We, we dealt with the situation that came. Um, and I'm sure Gaz will elaborate a little bit more as to what happened once we, we hit them games, uh, when, when the games come back. Uh, one thing I would say is that we've got such a, a trustworthy group that they came back super fit. So we didn't need to worry about getting them fit or getting them to a place. Those boys really understood the situation that they could get um, coming back into. And, um, and they gave themselves every possible chance uh, with the work that they've done uh, during that, that lockdown period. And then obviously you've, you've gone into the playoffs. You're third. You get your matchups. You go to Fleetwood and put in an unbelievable performance. Put yourself in a great position. Second leg comes along and you perform, you get it done and you, you go through to Wembley. How did you manage the games and were there any key points or key things that you guys did to help the group of players, to help the environment, to make sure that you optimised as much as possible, I guess, the strain situation uh, with, with there being especially no fans in the ground? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we, we touched on it, uh, David, with, with, uh, with Rich. He, he said... Um, said that earlier that the, the, the no fans in the ground, I thought, how can I turn this into an advantage? And uh, I mean, strangely enough, I've, I've got my book here. I, I wrote three three speeches for three games in this book, and I'm so glad I've written them down. They're, they're right in here, and I'll keep them forever. But the, the man there, Richard, he, he, he heard them before anyone heard them, and, and we both decided that's what we were going to say. And, and in my first one at Fleetwood, this is where this idea came of, there is no fans in the ground, or is there? And that was my talk to myself. Is there? Is there anyone in that ground who could shout and encourage? Of course there is. We've got, we've got ten, ten, nine subs it was because the rules changed. So we, we got nine subs. We had a, a team of 11, uh, nine staff. So there's 18 player, people there. And then there's 10 representatives of each club, who, the lucky ones, the directors and things to go. I couldn't get to the directors. I couldn't tell them to what I wanted them to do. But wow, I could tell the subs and I could tell my staff what I needed from them on that game. And, and I've got it in, in my book written down saying there is no fans. And I actually used these words. I said, or is there? And all the players, like, I got their attention and I thought, right. And this is not easy, you know, because I'm picking 11 players to go and start. So nine players I'm really saying to, you're not going to play. He's playing in your place. But what I want you to do Every time he does something good, the one who's playing in your place, I need you to cheer it and get behind him like you're a fan. And that, for me, that, was, that would be so difficult for a player. And we saw it in the opposition subs and, and things. We actually saw this, this football, that, this coolness where they want to sit there and look cool. And, and, and I was so proud of my boys that they, every tackle from the first minute, if you could watch this, if anyone is watching this and they've got these, these games on footage, watch them back, watch Fleetwood back. Watch Oxford back the final. You will hear a thousand people shouting. And it isn't a thousand people, it's nine. And nine people are making the noise of a thousand fans and cheering and shit. And the boys on the pitch after the game came up to me and said, Gaffer, that really, really helped. He said, that really helps so cheering. He said, it felt like we had fans there. And that's exactly what I, we tapped into. And I'm lucky that I thought of that and, and we got it. It's a little bit of luck, but obviously... The, the work we do off the pitch, we do a lot of mental work and, and I'm sure you spoke to Dob about the development days, mental side of things we do. 
it's really important to us. And, and that, for me, was a big thing for us in, in these three games. No fans, but there were fans. There were our subs. And it was amazing how they would cheer and, and get behind the boys. And and I did, at some stage, I, I looked at um, one of the... Uh, one of the Oxford players, Jamie Mackey, who I know from QPR. And I saw him look at the Oxford subs and almost going, come on, give us something, lads. And, and But you can't force it. It's got to be something that they want to do. And they really did. So I, I, I think that, for me, was one of the big moments in these three games. No fans, but, but my subs were just... They were warming up for 90 minutes, David. They were warming up, running up and down the touchline, cheering them on. We were, the amount of times the fourth official told me and double, look, can you get some of them back and get them sat down? Because, and but they didn't want to. They were up there, and and I thought that was a real, a real big piece double that um, that fit that jigsaw at the right place in the right time. Yeah, yeah I got to say that they were tag teaming each other. So three <laughs> of them would go go down to the corner, pretend to warm up, shout themselves hoarse, and then they come and tag team the next three, and they take over. Um, do you know that's not an easy thing to ask of players? Um, and I think it, such is the unity of our group. They wanted to do it, but there would have been so many others that would have gone, well, he hasn't picked me. So if he wants me to shout, like he hasn't picked me, I, you know, I'll sit there and I'll wait until I come on and that'll be my, my chance. For our boys, you know, there's players that haven't played a minute in them games in, you know, some, in some cases, the biggest games of their careers so far. Um, but they've given everything they've got to be a, a supporter and a fan of their teammates. And, um, you know, we had some video messages and one, one lad who, who trains with us, on a regular basis, there's something that will, that will sit with me forever. He couldn't come in because of the, the COVID rules. He's a, he's a non-contract player and he trains with us. The boys love him. He's a wonderful fella. And um, he sent a video message to the boys. And, and part of it, he said, I've kicked every ball with you. I've headed every ball from home. I've celebrated every goal. He said, because seriously, boys, when you win, I win. And I just thought, what a great statement that is about the unity of the group and how he feels towards his teammates, even though he can't be there and can't be part of it. I just thought it was wonderful. Yeah. And there's a, a clip that I remember specifically from the game at Wembley where I think it was Alex Samuel. It was the first half. He's, he must have ran 40, 50 yards to, to close the centre-back down. He was in a channel. And he's got a throwing out of it, out of nothing. And the camera pans around to Bio and a couple of other players. And they're up. They were screaming clapping, cheering, Bio's waving his hands around. And at the time, I think for us and for everybody watching, you don't know that that's been teed up. And obviously these players, they wanted to do it. But knowing that adds something something extra. And I think during the game as well, I'm, I thought it was actually the fake fan noise. You could hear people shouting, cheer boys. <laughs> I had no idea. No, I, I, think, I think a big... There's just one little word in there as well that I'd like to say that I asked them to do it. I didn't tell them to do it. And I think that's a real big thing for me um, in that meeting because um, that's the difference between it being real and not, you know. I think if they'd have thought that Gaffer wants us to do it, it comes across a different way. But I asked them to do it and they knew what to do with the, the ask bit, you know. It's not like if you do this, you're sacked. If you, do, if you don't do this, you're never going to play again. It was, can you do that, boys? Can you do that for me? Can you for, for the boys for the, on the pitch? Can you do that? Not you will do that. And I think that's a that's a big thing that um, the, the language you use sometimes when we're talking to these players it's, it's really important. Players will pick up the sincerity of the meaning of the words used. 
So when it's said with an intention for the benefit of the group, they'll sense that. And listening to the purr of you, I'm sensing it because I'm feeling every word. I'm actually there with you now. It's just a, it's an immense power and you're shifting people's emotions, but you've done something collectively as a group to pull this group of, if I dare say, a group of misfits, players that have actually not achieved at other clubs and you've created something quite special. Share with us what, what was taking place for that to happen. Yeah, it's uh, so so fast to share everything, but they are a team. When they they haven't fit anywhere else, so they have missed fitting anywhere else, and, and they fit together. And I can't I can't start anywhere else, but the culture they enter into uh, and building this culture over over so many years, I think has been key. I think being given the time, Keith, uh, as a manager. Now, whether that was financial luck. Um, at the start, because we went through some tough times. Um, but I think the tough times, the adversity that me and Rich went through, coupled with the financial constraints of the club not being able to get rid of us, made us these people that go, right, what is important? What What is important in that? We can't afford the best play. We can't afford the best footballers. Now, how else can we affect people? How, how else can you make people good? And, and the mind is so, so important. Um, so we did start working early on, early on on a culture of, um, of togetherness. I remember, I remember Rich writing down a whole 10 pages on a Word document of what it would take to be successful in League Two, right at the start of our, our mind. And, and a lot of this stuff was linked to the mind and linked to how strong your mind could be. And then on my first season, we went to the Somme and we spawned this term generals. We started getting into the, the, the soldier side and the military side of things. And that's where the generals came from. And do you know what? Whether it was planned or, or, or whatever, we've worked hard enough to, to get these breaks that we then formed this group of generals that would run our culture. So all these people who didn't fit anywhere else would come in and go, we fit here because we know what it's about. You know, when you go to other clubs, you either, it's like first day at school, you, you try and prove yourself. And if you get knocked back, you're, you're in a worse place. At Wickham, I'm really proud to say you can be you. And that is good enough for Wickham Wanderers. Now, it might not be good enough to, to play in the team. That's my decision. But you can be you at Wickham Wanderers. And when you're just you, that's when you give your best. That's my opinion. And uh, and so I'm so proud of the culture we built up. But it's it, we could be here for hours talking about how we've built this and this generals and this this culture we have that thrives on uh, almost on adversity sometimes. All the generals have been told they're not good enough. And again, that's so key. They've all been told. You're not good enough. You know, Akin Fenn was one of my generals. They, they got promoted out of League One, uh, League Two, Wimbledon, and they released him. So my saying, you're not ready for that next level. He's now at the level past that. So you know, it's it's uh, it's powerful that all my generals have been there. They're not big names. They're not Premier League names that have come down. They've all been in that, and they go, all right, come into this group. We've been there. We'll get you right. And I think that's a really important factor of, uh, of Wickham squad. So look, when, you, when you're bringing players into a group then, one player can easily disrupt or massively benefit the group that you already have set. How do you manage that and, and what qualities are you looking for when you're actually recruiting players? Yeah, the research into recruitment, uh, again, we, have, we, we do more, as much, if not more, on the character than the 
the ability, the technical ability in the football wise. We, we we have a we have a laugh on on Y Scout and some footage that we have certain buttons that will will be our our, our parameters of a player whether he's good enough or not. And we uh, me, me and Bill, you know, we often say right, press the button of death. Let's see what he's like. And and we and we always we you know we have these factors that we, we can judge. You know, you can actually you can actually write down. It's almost num- numerical. You can write those numbers. As is he that good? Is he that good? What we don't know is what character he is what. Sometimes I'll watch a game and I'll just watch him. And if the referee makes a bad decision or he gets substituted or one of his mates scores, does he run and go and celebrate with his mate? That's really important to me. Or does he turn away because it wasn't him? That's really important to me. The referee's decision, does he put his arms up in the air? Does he get on with it? A bad pass, does he chase it? That's, that starts to give me a little, a little sort of, a pattern of, of what is a little picture of what's in that head and then we'll back it up by talking to people and uh, I mean Rich do you want to go on to that because we've we've spoke to so, so many people about character references and, and want to touch on how we do that yeah we well I'm going to go back to do you remember the game guys at Stevenage a few years ago where we went to watch a player on loan that we could take um, and the lad did all right uh, but around about the 75th minute he got substituted and as he turned to the bench, he saw his number and he threw his arm in the air. And yeah. I turned straight to Gaz and went, I've seen enough. And Gaz went, yep, me too. And that one moment in him made our mind up that he wasn't right for our football club. You know, we, we were a small club and, and probably quite far down the pecking list in terms of, you know, many players' choice to come to. But I tell you what, it is really, really hard to get through the door at our place because, um, you know, as a person you've got to fit all the criteria needed to come into our culture. Myself and Gaz can't risk um, bringing someone that's going to destabilise what we've built there because we spent spent so long building it that um, it's such a strong culture now. We can't do anything to risk that. We'd be letting the boys down if if we did. So um, from that perspective, to get through the door into our dressing room in the first place, you've done ever so well because there's been a hell of a lot of homework done on you. Uh, and I actually remember we, we had a, a chat with the boys right at the start of the season, which I think really set the scene for, for all the new boys coming in, where um, I said to them, I said, don't think that this is luck that you're, you're sat here today. We know what you eat for breakfast in the mornings. We've done our research on you. We know everything about you. Um, and, uh, you know, it isn't fortune or, or the fact that you're a good player that you're here. It's because you're a good person, first and foremost. We also uh, showed some footage of uh, the New Zealand All Blacks doing the hacker, um, and we whacked the sound right up. So it was really awesome uh, to, to listen and watch it. Um, and we said to the boys, you know, what do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? And they spoke about family. They spoke about the history of the Maori culture and what that means when, when the All Blacks are representing their, their culture. Um, and we said, this is what we have here. But people don't talk about it in the way that they talk about the, the All Blacks. But we have a, a, a very special culture here that is worth protecting, that is worth fighting for. And at the moment, you are the guardians of that culture. You know, you can leave a legacy. When you leave this club, you leave a legacy uh, as part of something pretty special. Um, and the boys just really, really bought into that. We also showed um, uh, a video of Pavarotti, just the last 20 seconds of Ness and Dorma. Um, and I said to the boys, like, you've... you've He's sung this song 2,000 times, but he sings the 2,000th version like he sung the first version. And that's mm. the way that you've got to approach everything that you do. 
every day you approach it like it's the first time you've ever done it. Uh, and our boys have carried that out to a T. They're an absolute joy, joy to work with. Uh, just a wonderful group of human beings before you even get to, to talk about them as, as a group of players. The poor have you got something unique within that playing group? You've obviously got something special between yourselves as well. So a question for you, Delbar. How do you best support Gareth in his role as a manager of the club? That's now in the championship. Yeah, do you know, um, the first thing I would say is I'm not, I'm not just supporting a, a manager, I'm, I'm supporting a mate. So it matters to me what happens to him, his feelings, um, you know, when he has a tough time and I see him having a tough time through results or whatever, that hurts me as well. So, um, you know, the two of us are really a close-knit pair, as close as you're going to get anywhere in the Football League. And, um, uh, you know, my job is to try and help him through the tough times. Now, there are times where, um, you know, Gaz has um, a decision in his head and he, he's, he's decided what he wants to do and it's up to me to offer a, an alternative opinion. Um, and say, have you considered this or have you thought about this? Um, but I respect the fact that it's, it's his gig. He's the manager. And if he makes them choices, you know, I can offer alternative um, uh, experiences or choices. But if he makes that choice, I've got to back him all the way. Um, because if I'm not, then, you know, you can't have two people pulling in, in different directions. So uh, for me, I, I'm there to support him in that way. We, our, our previous chairman used to call us uh, yin and yang. You know, you've got Gaz and he's a showman full of charisma and you see it. You know, the fans can relate to Gaz instantly because he shows all the emotions that they have. Uh, with me, I'm far more reserved, um, uh, quieter. A lot of my work is done in the shadows and I'm actually really okay with that. Um, you know, it probably quite suits my personality that way. So, um, you know, whilst, whilst Gaz has got great charisma and energy and, and enthusiasm, um, I, I'm a little bit more observant from the back and, and can see things happening from time to time. Uh, and just can give a different viewpoint on things uh, and sometimes in a little bit calmer uh, manner because uh, we're going to build a fence around the, 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 the technical area at Adams Park to try and keep Gaz in it. Um, if he wore a GPS unit, I swear to God he'd do more, more work than some of the boys sometimes. So um, it, it was great actually, Keith, and I'll tell you this, I'll share this with you. There was a photo from the game the other day and, and it's caught Gaz two foot off the floor trying to win a header on the touchline one of our, our players, you know, and he, he jumps and kicks every ball. And um, I sent it to him, I sent it to him and, and just text underneath, did you win the header? Um, and it just <laughs> it, it just sort of surmises Gaz's enthusiasm on the touchline. He, he, he's kicked me a couple of times where he's tried to volley a ball <laughs> through the park and he's kicked me and I'm going to have to start wearing shin pads soon <laughs> on the touchline. So um, it, it's great, you know, to have that enthusiasm for football. Well, I don't know if that does it justice, but there it is, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I did win that. That's I did win brilliant. that. I won that header. I won that header. <laughs> just you just double. You just better hope there's not a fifty-fifty to be won at some point because if there is, it might be everything's be going. Stretch it off. Yeah. No, no. And, and can I? If I just jump in there, please. I know we've been together such a long time. In. I think 500 games now, plus double we've done together. Uh, I've ne you've never, ever once said, I told you, ever, ever. And that has been so big for me. So big for me. And, and like he says, he's backed everything. And sometimes I've got it wrong. 
but then it's up to me to go, I was wrong. And I've said that to him a few times, definitely, but I, I'm big enough to go, I, I was wrong that time. And I think that's really important. But the big word for me is I couldn't trust anyone more in football than, than Richard Dobson. I couldn't trust anyone more in football. And that, that for me is everything, everything, everything. He's, he, he's, not, uh, he's not craving some of the adulation I'll get because I, I was the manager, I am the manager, which is great. He's there to catch me on anything. And, and I will say at times I've rang, I've rang him up, not often, but I remember one game this season, uh, early in the season, I rang him up and I've just had a bad day or a, a thing going around my head. And we've had a 20 minute chat on the phone. And, it, and the next day I come in and if I hadn't have called him, I'd have still been all over the place, but I slept well, I got it right because, because of the chats we have. And it is a real, I think the power of us is we, and, and I really do think it's a power, we cover a lot of bases between us. We really do, you know. Um, and I was lucky enough to do the LMA diploma, which I'm, I'm not trying to plug, but there was one part of it that it was realize what you are. Uh, and it's one of these, uh, these scales, you know, you've got all sorts, Thomas, International, Myers-Briggs, whatever you call it. I was the biggest extrovert you could ever, the, the, even the guy said, oh, we haven't had one that big. And I was right at the end of extrovert, right, right at the end. And then he said, right, think of somebody in your team, think of somebody in your staff team and um, mark him down. And it was one of the best things I've done because I started to understand double more because why is he not jumping around with me? Why? Because he's this other person and, and it's so, it's so important. That was a big eureka moment for me. Only, only a couple of years ago where I thought, you know what? Wow, you're so lucky to have, to have double because he covers all this stuff here that, I'm not even looked at. Um, it, it, I think I think the ex-chairman was quite right with the yin and yang. Um, we've got some stuff that we we enjoy together, definitely. But you know, we're often you're often at your computer double, and I'll come in and I look at you and I think, yeah, I'd leave him to it. I know what he's doing. You know, he doesn't need to be running around or or doing this, doing that. He's he's concentrating solely on something that will be important for the game, and and it always is. And uh, and. No, I think we're, we're great. And like I say, I run my speeches past you, Dobbo. You know, I don't just go, right, this is me. This is blurting out. Because there was a moment where um, even guys, just just take a pause there. Just before you let the go. But little things like that. Because I'm 100 mile out. I want to get this out. I want to sell this to the boys. This is great. I'm going to get this out. Guys, just pause when you say that. Just, yeah, it's great. But just, and, and I need that. And, uh, and I think we work really well together. And, uh, and I think that's been proven, you know, where, where we are. And I'm, Really looking forward to the championship. I think we'll have quite a few more challenges there. There was, there was a great moment, just to add to that, um, the other day um, when Gaz was talking about his, his team talk for Wembley and he was speaking to the boys about, you know, how do you make it to the championship? And he said, well, we've got to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and we decided to say, this is the right place and it's the right time. It's our time. And that become like a real mantra. So, um, you know, we said it to the boys and, and Gaz asked them to close their eyes and visualise Matt Bloomfield lifting the trophy and to visualise themselves celebrating along Matt, uh, alongside Matt Bloomfield. And um, he, he said, visualise it and now go and get it. It's your destiny. And, and just before the game, we were in a huddle in the, in the dressing room and I didn't realise it staggered um, ourselves and Oxford coming out of the, the dressing room. So Oxford were in the tunnel at the time next to our dressing room and our boys were screaming, uh, right place, right time, our time, three or four times. 
And Oxford must have heard it. Um, and they must have been thinking, what the hell's coming out of that door to face us? <laughs> and I, I heard Bayo at the end, um, I've, I've watched some of the clips from the celebrations, which is just fine, wonderful afterwards um, to see everybody celebrating. And I've watched, and Bayo's on the pitch after the game going, right place, right time, our time. And it really obviously resonated with them that this was our moment. I think Gaz captured that moment brilliantly um, to give the boys all the confidence they needed to go out and, and win the game. Gaz, you mentioned on more than one occasion, actually, the, the word trust between you and Dubbo. Do you think that actually, that immersion, that depth of connection that you have with him, do you feel that actually, does that leach out into the players? Do you think they sense that as well? Yes. Yes, I, I would say that they see us as, they see us as different people with different traits, but definitely with the same um, the same belief, the same goal together. You know, we are, it's, it's difficult because we are totally different. I, I will, Keith, honestly, I will, in a, in a phase of play or something, um, if it goes well, I'll, I'll, I'll cheer and jump to the floor and go to the floor, my hands in the air, and all the lads are laughing at me. Honestly, I'll do it in training because the anchor's then. <laughs> honestly, you see me do it on your double, I know. And I'll do my like, whoop, whoop, like that. It's working, it's working. And I, I wonder what he's thinking on the side. But then it's just the same thing when a set play or something will, will go in in training. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that we do. Um, it's just a different way that we do it. It's, it's, and I think the players know that whatever they say to me, whatever they say to double, they know it's going to, it's going to be bounced between the two of us because we're that close and because we need each other. We cover all these bases. And, uh, and I think it's a real great thing to have, you know, it's not, not one of them's come here ever to me and gone, don't tell double this, but I've never had it. I've never had it because I think they're so open to telling us both it. you know, I think it's, it's great. And, uh, and yeah, trust is so important. It's built over, obviously a lot of adversity togetherness, but it's also built solely on that, never never betrayed you know you've never been because that one time will we'll destroys everything and we've, we've been there for each other i would never you know i won't go, want to go through anything without him at the moment it's, it's, it's just superb it's it's brilliant i've got, I've got to add that that also um extends to to dave waits the sports scientist and Keanu course, yeah. physio who have been with us probably right from the very start more or less um and they've also helped to build the culture of the club without the trust in those two as well. I mean, we, we let Kian get on with building his, um, his physio department and he's done a wonderful job of, of improving that year on year. Um, but those two also have played a, a huge part over a number of years now. Um, and I think it's a real tight knit for, I know nowadays there's the model at clubs that, um, you know, the, the majority of the staff stay in place and then the head coach comes in and then he leaves and you keep this majority of staff. But certainly from our point of view, um, four of us are, are, are so linked um, and it works so well um, that you know we're all in tune um, it would be it's hard to think of working without the other three now um, we've become that close I think the small numbers is good as well uh, just to, from my point of view working with small tight numbers always whether it's playing squad whether it's staff I do enjoy the the intimacy of, of that of that group, I really do, you know, and I know the bigger clubs get, the more the leagues you go higher, I know it becomes an expanded thing, but I think if you have this 
this inner circle, I think that it's really important that you know what you've got a group you can trust around you. And uh, and so, I, as as Rich says, at the moment, I could not see me working anywhere without without the the other three. It's uh, it's, it's a real good group. Mm. Now, guys, you you mentioned about these players misfits that come in and you say to them you can be you you can be yourself you come in you be unique you be yourself and after that game there was an unbelievable interview from Biowak and Fenwa of him being um, I think that being himself it's it's probably the realest interview I think you'll ever see from from a footballer live after a game and and the way they acted uh, and you see him he's a larger than life character and i think it's pretty evident when you when you really hone in on it that he brings the best out of his teammates and there's a, a really good clip after the game as well of him talking to anthony stewart yeah and really it was great it, it had about probably 60 seconds or so of him really just arm around patting him on the chest question what what qualities does Bio possess that makes him such an influential figure in a in a group of men? Um, his experiences, without a doubt, what he's been through, um, they're huge qualities for him. He's he's learned from his experiences. He's he's matured. I would definitely say he's matured whilst at Wickham Wanderers. He's got you know when he walks in a room, David. He's one of these people, and not everyone has it. But you know when Bayo walks in a room, he's not afraid to be him. I mean. Look at the size of him for a start. He has got that advantage that anyone who would did want to challenge him, you know, you're you're on a, a back foot there. But it's never about his size. It's never about his size. It's um, it's about the person he is. The, the, he has he has been through a lot. He's been through a heck of a lot, you know, and, and even recently been through a lot where we've 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 come together and and um, but but he is an honest, humble. You wouldn't believe that word comes into Akin Fenway. He's so humble from where he's come from. And he's not the big I am, believe me, he's not. But he, he feels so comfortable at Wickham to be able to do that. I think if you look at his interviews at other clubs, he's not being him. That is him and we allow him to be him. And I think it's a real big strength that we allow him to be him. I always have to stay just above him. And, and that sometimes is hard. You know, that is sometimes hard because you can get... As much as he goes that way with his emotions, you know, there's times and, and there was, you know, I'm sure he won't mind me saying there's time at Fleetwood when he's on the bench and I think he's thinking he should be on the pitch helping out. And and I'm and I'm managing and, and, and there's a great moment where he, he says something to me. I can't remember what he said about something about the boys being tired. But then it just as I'm walking away, he could say, I looked at him and give him the eye, I walked away and he went, but you're the manager. And I thought that little line just was enough to go, yeah, I'm still just above you, Bayon, and that's right, you know, you are this caramel. But I think it comes back to allowing him to do it, you know, controlling it, but allowing him to be him because he's, uh, his, his leadership qualities are, are fantastic. They really are. People want to be around him. People want to be with him. Um, and he, he is a true leader, a real true leader. Uh, even though, you, you know, he probably, probably wouldn't put himself down as a leader. He, probably put him down as an example or a role model, but he is a true leader when he's on it. He, uh, he really is. So, no, I mean, anything to add with Bayo, Double? I mean, you, you've spoke to him in depth. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, 
I just find him a, a wonderfully unique character. Um, and uh, in, a, in the modern day where there's so much media training and you don't get the personality of people, um, you see Bayo's personality in everything that he does, in the way that he plays, in the way that he interacts with fans, not just our own, but um, away, away teams as well. He's the most loved uh, opposition player every time we go away somewhere. He ends up getting um, you know, the likes of Portsmouth fans and that applauding him. Uh, because of the way he interacts with them. So he, he really is a, a lovable character. And when we leave um, away games, very often we'll do our post-match debrief without him in the dressing room where he's signing autographs for the home fans. And, um, you know, he walks out the stadium like the Pied Piper with a, a row of kids behind him who, who want his shirt and his boots and everything else. So um, there's something about him that other people find inspiring. Um, and, and he has got this ability to inspire. He does show great empathy. One of the things I love about him most is that Gaz will leave him out from time to time when, when it's not right to play him in a certain match. And he'll go, OK, I accept that. The following week, when he's back in the side and someone else is being left out, he's walking around the training ground with his arm around that other player, saying to him, it's my turn to do it last week. I was right behind you. Now it's your turn to be right behind me this week. The, the team needs you in a different role, in a different way this time. So play your role the best that you can be. And I just think to have that support makes it so much easier for myself and Gaz. Um, I had a chat with our generals, uh, so I, I try and I try and make it six with a, with a couple of younger ones. But certainly uh, Matt Bloomfield, Joe Jacobson, uh, Darius Charles, Bayerakin Fenwa, um, Dominic Gape, you know, uh, have been around it uh, with the likes of Jason McCarthy also while he was with us. Um, and uh, I remember having a conversation with him last season where there was four issues in the space of a week where normally I would jump in and, and speak to a player just on a reaction to a, a bad pass or, a, you know, um, somebody else's mistake and, and a little reaction to that. And each time, as I went to go to speak to that player, one of the generals had intercepted him before me and was saying exactly what I would say to that player in that instance, you know, giving them a little bit of confidence or whatever it was. And I walked away and I thought to myself, they're making me redundant here. Um, and then I thought to myself, actually, is that not the best thing that you can have as a coach? If you can give them skills to all those people that are working around you and then let them flourish, is that not what coaching is all about? Um, and, and I just love the fact that the generals have taken on probably far bigger roles than most would have in their careers. And for us, it's very much about developing skills in them that they can go on and to use after football as well. So helping them with their transition. Um, and I just think it's wonderful to see the empathy that they have for their teammates and the support in nature that they have to, to help their teammates around them. Because as, as, as the lad said earlier, if, if one wins, we all win. We mentioned BioE. This is a, this is a club you've had massive support from inside that inner sanctum. Gareth, you'd shared about the players, you know, the build-up and your speech to the lads, Luke, with, we've not got any fans, but have we? So you dropped a little seed in the head. You got on some gyros as well. Yeah, as Double as mentioned, we got the, the the experienced boys have been fantastic. Um, David Stockdale, I mean, comes around. I mean, are you talking about players, Keith, or, or staff, or just ge in general, Gareth? You got general. the new ownership. You've got you've got the cleaners. You've got people who are doing all the all the, the that, kit. It's amazing you mentioned the cleaner because. Um, just a story about the videos we got on the day. We got so many videos on the day of good luck. Um, 
Anthony Joshua. Um, I mean, I mean, so, some real cracking names. AP McCoy was one. They're friends with all the players. But it was a really important game and I wanted the videos, the right videos played at the right time. So again, in which we went through the videos and said, right, which videos are going to be apt for lunchtime on the Monday and which are going to be apt for just before the game. Um, and and you've heard about the, the Ben Fremper one, you win, I win. Jason McCarthy was there. I, I just played three before the game. Everyone else was lunchtime. It was all, all your famous people and, and it was a good feeling at lunchtime. But the cleaner I picked out to show just before the game so it was two players, Jason McCarthy, whose loan had come to an end and couldn't be featuring the playoffs. And he said, boys, you would not believe what I would give to be on that pitch with you. So first of all, the players are not going to, they're not going to leave anything out there because Jason wouldn't. Secondly, they had Ben Fremper saying, you win, I win. What a great message. The third one was the cleaner. So a girl called Laurel, uh, she, she's come in the last month and because of the COVID restrictions at the training ground, everything that's been used has to be cleaned. It's, it's the new rules. So there was a joke that if you stood still for 15 seconds at the training ground, Laura w- would clean you. She, she, she's unbelievable. You know? she was, she's cleaning everything around the training ground. And she did it just, I mean, this is a cleaner. You've got all these footballers, high-powered people, look, famous people. You've got all this stuff. And, we're all, and then you've got this cleaner who's going around and she's just doing a job all the time and working her socks off. And I thought to myself, you know what? She loves it. She came up to me one day and she said, I love it here. She said, your boys are the best group of boys I've ever, I've ever worked with. She said, they were all polite. They were like, it, like they were her sons. And I thought, that's so good. You know, and when it came to the Wembley final, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get a message from Laura. And all I'm going to ask her to say is, just say what, what you, you want to say to the boys. Not what I want to tell you. Just say what you want to tell. And her message was so like, Boys, you've made me feel so welcome. I feel part of your team. And do you know what? Tonight, I'll be thinking of you. And that's all she said. She didn't say, go and win. She didn't say, go. She just went, I'll be thinking of you. And I said to the boys, so that's what you do to people, boys. You, she feels part of this. And she'll be thinking about you tonight. She, doesn't, she doesn't probably doesn't know if you win or lose, what it means. But she's thinking, and that, she's been here, part of this team. And that's what you do to people. So that. So right down to the cleaner, Keith, has, has played a part in, in what we've done. You know, so she got ahead of Anthony Joshua in the videos. It's, it's amazing, but she did because she's got this connection and this, and, and all the other videos were superb at lunch. They all came up and, and they all played their part. But yeah, we, we've been, we're so lucky. And I keep saying we're so lucky, but. People tell me, you know, lucky things come to people who work hard and are good people. And, and if that's what it takes, then I'll keep being lucky because I'm, I'm really proud of that. I'm, I, I won't I work hard and, and we do treat people nice. And, uh, and if that's what it takes, then, then I'm, I'm glad to be doing it. You guys have got something special. Both the purview and what you've created at this club the playing group, there's something special going on. There's something special just happened. I think I don't think we need to remind people now you're going to be in the championship next year. So looking forward to next season, big task ahead, but unbelievably exciting one. Will you be looking to, to change or develop anything that you, you're currently doing? Go on, Rich. Oh, that's a good question. Um, the answer is uh, no. No, 
because what we have is is very real it's it's us and it's our beliefs so there's no way in the world that we're coming away from our core values and our core beliefs and um, what we will try and do is just add to that um you've got to look at it and say you know there's been a hell of a lot of um people saying well they'll only stay up for a season um you know they'll, they'll come straight back down and i think you know the vast majority of people would, would expect that but let's say that that's the worst case scenario for this club going forward so our club now gains several million pounds which safeguards the future of the club in a time where obviously football's getting stretched as, as Wigan have shown. We're going to have a year of learning from other clubs, far bigger clubs than ourselves, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, and all that, the learning that can come with that over the course of uh, the next season. If that's the worst case scenario, and we're several million pounds better off with a whole load of learning under our belt in a year's time, I'd take that. What a wonderful opportunity that is for our club to grow over, uh, over the next few years. So, um, you know, that's the worst case scenario. Our job now is to make that even better and try and inspire our boys to, to stay in above three of the other clubs in, in that division as a, a starting point. Um, and uh, uh, I think what, what's shown is that unity and, and togetherness can achieve, can achieve a hell of a, not, a lot. You know, um, I think when you look at the likes of Fleetwood and, and Oxford and the players that they've got there and the ability levels, you know, really could we go toe-to-toe with them in a, in a football game, a pure football game? No, uh, you know, I don't think so. But what we do have is, is a wonderful spirit which, which transcends the ability and um, uh, you, can, you can really achieve special things through that. So first and foremost, you know, we'll, we'll be a, a very similar football club going into next season. Um, we, we want the same things from the players. No big time Charlie's there. They're not going to get above themselves. I can, I can guarantee that. And if we can add um, some players of a similar ilk from a, um, a personal perspective, uh, and maybe just improve the, the ability levels a little bit, then we'll go and give it our best shot. If, um, if the players give me their best next season, if the players give me their best, then, then I'm a successful manager. Results will be determined on, on, on obviously the football and the goals going in, but if they give me their best, absolute best, I don't think any other manager in the country, that's all they want, you know, it's up to them to pick how, how good their best could be. But... Um, we know for a fact we're going to be really, really restricted in what we can bring in money-wise. Um, we, we know that for a fact. What we may be able to do is maybe to start looking at a, a, a B team or something where we could start the next level of these players developing to come into our group. Maybe. That'd be fantastic. Something to show for this promotion. But also, do you know what? I, I think we might surprise a few people as well. I'm really, really looking forward to this challenge and. uh as Dobbo says, we ever get beat, it won't be through a lack of effort, it won't be through a lack of desire, it won't be through a lack of ideas. It'll be a fantastic team as beaters. Yeah, we, we oh. played, just reminding me, sorry, Keith, that just reminded me, we played Villa in um, uh, an FA Cup game a few years ago and we were stood at Villa Park, fantastic setting, wonderful football club, you know, the history behind it. And, um, and we give them a right good go. I think they scored in the 75th minute to go ahead and and then the second one in injury time. And I remember standing on the touchline and saying to Gaz, we can do this, Gaz. I'm confident you and me can do this. Well, we'll get a chance this season. And um, I'm so looking forward to it, putting our wits against some of the other clubs. And, you know, we know that we're going to have the smallest budget in the championship probably by, by some way and probably possibly all this ever in the championship. Um, I thought, you know, one of my, my good friends is a, a club and they cut his, they cut their budget, and um, 
and I won't say the number, I don't want to disclose anything, but um, uh, he said, this is a relegation budget. And I thought, Christ, we need another eight million pounds just to have a relegation budget in the division. Um, but that's what we're up against. And, you know, we're, we're not afraid of that. Um, you know, there, there are other ways of doing things and, and look, we've just got to find a way as best we possibly can. We've got to find a way. Well, the pundits were saying as you were going to be going down this season and look where you were, look where you're going. You're one tier away from the Premier League. So look, I, I've got to come back to, I'm caught in around this Wembley stuff because I know directly after the game, it showed interviews. How long did it take you to get away from the stadium? Oh, Keith, it was, it was, um, we, we were, I feel sorry for the Wembley security staff because they were going on at us and on at us going, you've got to leave by half 10. But half 11, we're still there. It's unbelievable. The celebrations, and, and I'm, I'm really proud of this, but some of the dignitaries there and, and, the, and the officials said, that is some of the wildest celebrations they've ever seen a team after they've achieved something. Uh, and that's with no fans. It's, it's incredible. And, and I think it shows that what was there is just pure what the boys are. It is pure them. It's, it's not, they didn't need any fans there. They just needed themselves, each other. And that's so important to me. That was so important to me. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved the fans to have been there and it could have been a 2 a.m. job. But it was it was kicking out time and they were getting really annoyed with us that we were there so long, you know. Um, there's some real amazing stories. There's 25 stories because we have 25 in the squad. All came to the point, to the same point, the highest point they've ever been in their football careers together. And all these individual stories that had come up this, this mountain, they all got up at the same time. And, and that was special. That was so special for me. Um, and they'd all played their different role. Whatever that role was, they'd all played it. I remember the four of us, Dobby, you know, the four that we've mentioned, we just went in the room, the four of us, and just sat down, didn't we? And it, it was just <laughs> it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was it, just like we looked at each other, the four of us, the, the four people we've mentioned, me, Dobby, Dave Waits and Kim, the two who've been with us all. And we just looked at each other and said, we all said, what have we done? How have we done this? It really, really was one of those moments. And um, it, it just some some cracking moments that I'll never, ever forget. Two years before we got promoted at Chesterfield and uh, I've got a photo that goes around the staff group with me outside my hotel room, not in the best of states. And I, and I, and I was out of the game for two days. This time I made sure I, I really wanted to remember it. You know, it was, it was a few beers. It wasn't anything messy. And the last person I left on Sunday morning before we went to the hotel, the last person that spoke to me in my house was my son, 13-year-old Kane, he's called. Um, big smile on his face, dad, dad, championship, we could do this. And I thought to myself, typical Wickham way, when you come back, just tell him it was a great achievement getting to Wembley and you almost did it. That's what was in my head. And I walked back in at 6am that morning and I had the medal around my neck still. And I don't know why, but he was the first person I saw. He was the last person I saw when I went out and he was the first person I saw him. And he still had that same smile on his face. And this time he just went, dad, we did it. Like we did it. And I just put the medal around his neck and I'm, that'll never ever leave me that moment. That was the, that's what it was for for me. And I just thought, you know, we have done it, Ken. And, and that's, that really hit home then that that was, that was a special night. And I'm, I'm never ever going to stop reliving those photos, those memories that just, brilliant you know if any whatever else happens in the career that's there that's in there it's not going anywhere to add to gaz um 
it, well, I've had some texts from people, journalists that were at Wembley that night, who actually really loved the exuberance of their celebrations because our 20 and 30 something year old men became kids again. <laughs> you know, when you have a dream as a kid to play at Wembley and win, and they had that and they become that childlike self again. So, I mean, I watched Giles Phillips, who, who had been a sub, uh, knee slide across the centre circle of Wembley 45 minutes after the game. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, we're never coming back to Wembley ever again. They're never going to invite us back. Um, but it was just great to see the the, the realness, the genuineness of uh, the emotions in, in the players. And as Gaz said, they were banging on our, our dressing room door and saying, you do have to leave the stadium at some stage tonight. Um, so when we did leave, we left it spotless. And credit to Dave Waits and Josh Hart, our analysts, the, the dressing rooms were left spotless and, and um, uh, the cleaners were going, look, we'll do that, we'll do that. And we were going, no, nope, this is the way that we do it. We always leave dressing rooms spotless. We're leaving Wembley spotless. And to just add to that story and what people won't know is that um, when we got back to the training ground, we had two coach loads full of equipment and stuff. Every single player to a man unloaded the coaches um, when we got back to the training ground. So Bayo's carrying a bike over his head. All the boys are mucking in, carrying the kit for the kit man. And I just think, you know, we don't go away from our core values regardless of, of the fact that we've just won promotion to the championship. Um, you know, those, those core values are, are strong within the group. Um, and those little moments just show it. I'm, that, I was as proud of, of, of that at that stage as I was of them winning the game. You know, it says so much about the boys that they wanted to, to help the kit man and, and do things properly before they went off to celebrate. Gents, this has been, this has been absolute goldest to get a perspective, your perspective, the inner sanctum going behind the scenes and for you to be so, so detailed in your answers provides so much power, but you can sense it, that real deep, I guess, friendship that the poor of you have, but equally what you provided by showing that and expressing it because it's immersed the group as well. The differences and the similarities are powerful. So on behalf of David and myself, and I'm sure David will thank you as well, but good luck next year. Uh, thank you for this time and continue with that magic that the poor of you have got. Yeah. And I, I have to echo it. Like we, we touched on, I mentioned to you both, I was I was in Salt Lake watching the game and edge of my seat and just pure elation to watch what you did, watch what you achieved and watch the celebrations afterwards. So if it happens again, we'll have you on this time next year to celebrate again. <laughs> but uh, look, we, we can't thank you enough and wish you the best of luck for this upcoming season. And we know that whatever happens, it won't be anything other than that you've done your best and that you've given everything you've got and done it in, in the right way too. So good luck. And again, thank you so much. Thank you guys. Yeah. Pleasure to see you two guys again. And um, look, we just hope we can continue to inspire people. You know, we just want to help people and inspire them as best we can, whether they're players within our club or those watching from, further afield fans or maybe not even fans of our club just people that like the story um you know if we can inspire people then then what a wonderful job we have um to influence people in such a positive way so uh thanks for for helping us share that story really appreciate it fellas no thank you guys thanks both of you brilliant to be on and um like you say you're very welcome at wickham whenever you want to come down 
fantastic to see you both. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast and also you can visit our website at www.golddustmentoring.com. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.